Chapter thirty two of Astoria or Anecdotes of an Enterprise Beyond the Rocky Mountains by Washington Irving. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Scanty Fair, A Mendicant Snake, Embarkation on Henry River, Joy of the Voyageurs, Arrival at Snake River, Rapids and Breakers, Beginning of Misfortunes, Snake Encampments, Parley with a Savage a second disaster loss of a boatman the cauldron lynn while the canoes were in preparation the hunters ranged about the neighborhood but with little success tracks of buffalo were to be seen in all directions but none of a fresh date there were some elk but extremely wild two only were killed antelopes were likewise seen but too shy and fleet to be approached a few beavers were taken every night and salmon trout of a small size so that the camp had principally to subsist upon dried buffalo meat on the fourteenth a poor half-naked snake indian one of that forlorn caste called the shuckers or diggers made his appearance at the camp he came from some lurking place among the rocks and cliffs and presented a picture of that famishing wretchedness to which these lonely fugitives among the mountains are sometimes reduced having received wherewithal to allay his hunger he disappeared but in the course of a day or two returned to the camp bringing with him his son a miserable boy still more naked and forlorn than himself food was given to both they skulked about the camp like hungry hounds seeking what they might devour and having gathered up the feet and entrails of some beavers that were lying about slunk off with them to their den among the rocks by the eighteenth of october fifteen canoes were completed and on the following day the party embarked with their effects leaving their horses grazing about the banks and trusting to the honesty of the two snakes and some special turn of good luck for their future recovery the current bore them along at a rapid rate the light spirits of the canadian voyageurs which had occasionally flagged upon land rose to their accustomed buoyancy on finding themselves again upon the water they wielded their paddles with their wonted dexterity and for the first time made the mountains echo with their favorite boat songs in the course of the day the little squadron arrived at the confluence of henry and mad rivers which thus united swelled into a beautiful stream of a light pea-green color navigable for boats of any size and which from the place of junction took the name of snake river a stream doomed to be the scene of much disaster to the travellers the banks were here and there fringed with willow thickets and small cottonwood trees the weather was cold and it snowed all day and great flocks of ducks and geese sporting in the water or streaming through the air gave token that winter was at hand yet the hearts of the travellers were light and as they glided down the little river they flattered themselves with the hope of soon reaching the columbia after making thirty miles in a southerly direction they encamped for the night in a neighbourhood which required some little vigilance as there were recent traces of grizzly bears among the thickets on the following day the river increased in width and beauty flowing parallel to a range of mountains on the left which at times were finely reflected in its light green waters 
the three snowy summits of the pilot knobs or tetons were still seen towering in the distance after pursuing a swift but placid course for twenty miles the current began to foam and brawl and assume the wild and broken character common to the streams west of the rocky mountains in fact the rivers which flow from those mountains to the pacific are essentially different from those which traverse the prairies in their eastern declivities the latter though sometimes boisterous are generally free from obstructions and easily navigated but the rivers to the west of the mountains descend more steeply and impetuously and are continually liable to cascades and rapids the latter abounded in the part of the river which the travellers were now descending two of the canoes filled among the breakers the crews were saved but much of the lading was lost or damaged and one of the canoes drifted down the stream and was broken among the rocks on the following day october twenty first they made but a short distance when they came to a dangerous strait where the river was compressed for nearly half a mile between perpendicular rocks reducing it to the width of twenty yards and increasing its violence here they were obliged to pass the canoes down cautiously by a line from the impending banks this consumed a great part of a day and after they had re-embarked they were soon again impeded by rapids when they had to unload their canoes and carry them and their cargoes for some distance by land it is at these places called portages that the canadian voyageur exhibits his most valuable qualities carrying heavy burdens and toiling to and fro on land and in the water over rocks and precipices among brakes and brambles not only without a murmur but with the greatest cheerfulness and alacrity joking and laughing and singing scraps of old french ditties the spirits of the party however which had been elated on first varying their journeying from land to water had now lost some of their buoyancy everything ahead was wrapped in uncertainty they knew nothing of the river on which they were floating it had never been navigated by a white man nor could they meet with an indian to give them any information concerning it it kept on its course through a vast wilderness of silent and apparently uninhabited mountains without a savage wigwam upon its banks or bark upon its waters the difficulties and perils they had already passed made them apprehend others before them that might effectually bar their progress as they glided onward however they regained heart and hope the current continued to be strong but it was steady and though they met with frequent rapids none of them were bad mountains were constantly to be seen in different directions but sometimes the swift river glided through prairies and was bordered by small cottonwood trees and willows these prairies at certain seasons are ranged by migratory herds of the wide wandering buffalo the tracks of which though not of recent date were frequently to be seen here too were to be found the prickly pear or indian fig a plant which loves a more southern climate on the land were large flights of magpies and american robins whole fleets of ducks and geese navigated the river or flew off in long streaming files at the approach of the canoes 
while the frequent establishments of the painstaking and quiet-loving beaver showed that the solitude of these waters was rarely disturbed even by the all-pervading savage they had now come near two hundred and eighty miles since leaving fort henry yet without seeing a human being or a human habitation a wild and desert solitude extended on either side of the river apparently almost destitute of animal life at length on the twenty fourth of october they were gladdened by the sight of some savage tents and hastened to land and visit them for they were anxious to procure information to guide them on their route on their approach however the savages fled in consternation they proved to be a wandering band of shoshones in their tents were great quantities of small fish about two inches long together with roots and seeds or grain which they were drying for winter provisions they appeared to be destitute of tools of any kind yet there were bows and arrows very well made the former were formed of pine cedar or bone strengthened by sinews and the latter of the wood of rose bushes and other crooked plants but carefully straightened and tipped with stone of a bottle green colour there were also vessels of willow and grass so closely wrought as to hold water and a seine neatly made with meshes in the ordinary manner of the fibres of wild flax or nettle the humble effects of the poor savages remained unmolested by their visitors and a few small articles with a knife or two were left in the camp and were no doubt regarded as invaluable prizes shortly after leaving this deserted camp and re-embarking in the canoes the travellers met with three of the snakes on a triangular raft made of flags or reeds such was their rude mode of navigating the river they were entirely naked excepting small mantles of hare skins over their shoulders the canoes approached near enough to gain a full view of them but they were not to be brought to a parley all future progress for the day was barred by a fall in the river of about thirty feet perpendicular at the head of which the party encamped for the night the next day was one of excessive toil and but little progress the river winding through a wild rocky country and being interrupted by frequent rapids among which the canoes were in great peril on the succeeding day they again visited a camp of wandering snakes but the inhabitants fled with terror at the sight of a fleet of canoes filled with white men coming down their solitary river as mr hunt was extremely anxious to gain information concerning his route he endeavoured by all kinds of friendly signs to entice back the fugitives at length one who was on horseback ventured back with fear and trembling he was better clad and in better condition than most of his vagrant tribe that mr hunt had yet seen the chief object of his return appeared to be to intercede for a quantity of dried meat and salmon trout which he had left behind on which probably he depended for his winter subsistence the poor wretch approached with hesitation the alternate dread of famine and of white men operating upon his mind he made the most abject signs imploring mr hunt not to carry off his food the latter tried in every way to reassure him and offered him knives in exchange for his provisions great as was the temptation the poor snake could only prevail upon himself to spare a part keeping a feverish watch over the rest 
lest it should be taken away it was in vain mr hunt made inquiries of him concerning his route and the course of the river the indian was too much frightened and bewildered to comprehend him or to reply he did nothing but alternately commend himself to the protection of the good spirit and supplicate mr hunt not to take away his fish and buffalo meat and in this state they left him trembling about his treasures in the course of that and the next day they made nearly eight miles the river inclined to the south of west and being clear and beautiful nearly half a mile in width with many populous communities of beaver along its banks the twenty eighth of october however was a day of disaster the river again became rough and impetuous and was chafed and broken by numerous rapids these grew more and more dangerous and the utmost skill was required to steer among them mr crooks was seated in the second canoe of the squadron and had an old experienced canadian for steersman named antoine clapin one of the most valuable of the voyageurs the leading canoe had glided safely among the turbulent and roaring surges but in following it mr crooks perceived that his canoe was bearing towards a rock he called out to the steersman but his warning voice was either unheard or unheeded in the next moment they struck upon the rock the canoe was split and overturned there were five persons on board mr crooks and one of his companions were thrown amidst roaring breakers and a whirling current but succeeded by strong swimming to reach the shore clapin and two others clung to the shattered bark and drifted with it to a rock the wreck struck the rock with one end and swinging round flung poor clapin off into the raging stream which swept him away and he perished his comrades succeeded in getting upon the rock from whence they were afterwards taken off this disastrous event brought the whole squadron to a halt and struck a chill into every bosom indeed they had arrived at a terrific strait that forbade all further progress in the canoes and dismayed the most experienced voyageur the whole body of the river was compressed into a space of less than thirty feet in width between two ledges of rocks upwards of two hundred feet high and formed a whirling and tumultuous vortex so frightfully agitated as to receive the name of the cauldron lynn beyond this fearful abyss the river kept raging and roaring on until lost to sight among impending precipices End of chapter thirty two